Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Kettle Menu Podcast. I have a special guest today. Gatlin, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Looking forward to talking all things beef and whatever else we want to get into today. Absolutely. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your background and how you're involved in the agriculture industry? So my family's been uh, farming and ranching uh, in western Oklahoma since 1902. Uh, and that's where we film all of our social media videos out here on the fam- the family homestead. Grew up uh, helping my grandpa with his farming aspect of everything. Uh, we had wheat, alfalfa, all different types of crops, hay, but he also had a small cattle operation. And then my dad and uncle took over the operation in the mid-2000s and fully converted it to a cow-calf operation. And so that's more so what we are now is a, is a real ranch operation. But I, my, my background and my, where you know my family's always came from, you know, they're French-Irish immigrants, and they all they knew how to do was raise crops. So you know, farming is a huge part of where I come from because growing up, you know, wheat was a big crop around here. Now it's more so cotton, corn. Uh, I mean, you have the canola field still, things like that. It's a great mix, peanuts in southwestern Oklahoma. Uh, but a huge part of who I was is a farm, is a you know farming background and planting the wheat trucks and you know riding the combine with grandpa. So I saw social media was like not really highlighting farming very well. And you know we have the Dell Brisbys of the world and the Cowboys, and we had you know the Country Boys with like Earl Devils Jr. I was like, we got to have some representation of the farming and ranching like way of life, how we do it. So that's where we kind of came up with the whole Daryl Bibbins and Bibbins farm crew. And here we are today, uh, recording a podcast talking about the beef things and, and, uh, why we do it on social media. For people who don't know, talk a little bit about what you do on social media and kind of walk us through that journey, because not only are you sharing your story, but you have really kind of branched off to do your own thing in content creation that has been received with open arms in the community. So talk a little bit about what you guys do and kind of how it started. Yeah, we uh, we started posting videos on the internet right before the pandemic happened in 2020. I'll be careful of my words. You never know what words will trigger uh, things on podcasts. So I we started posting videos in early 2020 on YouTube. And then a family member of mine said, hey, you should put these, post these on TikTok. I'm like, what's TikTok? So well, yeah, I started like short clipping out our YouTube videos and putting them on TikTok. And then I saw there, that's where I kind of saw this whole like, oh, people love it when we make our show our country way of life more so than us doing like just comedy skits of random stuff. So we really just like honed in on showing the agricultural side of it. But but we've always came at it from a very entertaining, comedic side and not like your so-called vlogger, TikToker, you know, somebody showing their true selves. We've always came at it from a character's perspective because my background's in acting. In film and television, uh, when I when I graduated high school and went to college, uh, my dad and him said, "Hey, like this will always be always be here. Why don't you like try to? You've always been wanting to be in film and television. Why don't you just like go ch- test that out? You know, see what you see if you something you'd want to do." So I got into the 
uh, went to the University of Oklahoma in video and audio production. And then while I was in school there, I started doing film and television commercials. So that's kind of how we kind of have the background with the entertainment side of what we do is because that's where I was trained in that part of my life too. And I'm not a big, I never been a big social media guy of like showing what I'm doing or like my way of life. And in a way that's exactly Gatlin Didier or whatever. I just don't, I, it just feels non-genuine to me as a person. So I can't do it, but I'm able to like, where I, I think it's the acting in me is like, I can create a character and really get into that and like build a storyline around it. So that's how we ended up doing all what we're doing on social media is, uh, my cousin helped me film for a long time. And all of a sudden I'm like, we should throw him in. Cause he's kind of a character himself. Just, he's like this whole goofball. And so I grabbed him one day and growing up, he helped work on our farm and ranch in the summers. So he was my gate getter. He'd get out and get the gates. and we'd be building fence. We're going to check cows. So he's like, we should make this video about my job. I said, yeah, because everyone knows everyone has that job on the farm. So we made a video about being the gate getter. And that took off with my whole farm stuff with Daryl videos. And then later on down the road, I saw I, I've always thought my grandma was a hilarious lady. And I always thought in her own aspect, but she was also my very strict grandma growing up. So it was like hard to see that. But I saw something in her. I'm like, I think people will relate to her. So we just started throwing them in the videos. And now she's the true we, Jarrett says it. she's the true far. Uh, she's the true star of farm stuff with Daryl, which is hilarious. So that's kind of how we got the family into to make an entertaining comedic skits on social media it was all through you know, my background in film and television. And then really just, we wanted to show if we could show agriculture, like anytime I do something, I'm doing it in a whole different way than anybody else, because I can't do that. You know, just pull our phone out and start recording. I have to be kind of scripted. I like to think things out. I'm kind of a deeper thinker. So I like to like, really like, how can we subliminally message things in videos? And that's just what I love. And I grew up watching like Saturday night live and hee haw and, just shows like that and Beverly Hillbillies. So we try to always like pull from things that we grew up. That's a huge part of our lives and apply that to like, where could social media use this today versus, you know, we made fun of thirst traps for a little bit, but we, we, we branched off from them. But that was always a joke. Like, how are these videos getting views? And it's like us, like in front of a hay bell shaking our butt, but we can't like show what it's like to work cattle because it'll get taken down. So we've always just kind of made fun of like, the success that people have on social media and then trying to somehow pertain it to farming, agriculture, and ranching. To give our audience a little bit of an idea, talk about the kind of impact that you have. I mean, what number of followers and what kind of reach are we talking with some of these videos? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, our over, cumulatively between me, Granny, and Gatebart, uh, that is 5 million followers throughout four platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, and then we, you know, I think last year we made 1200 videos between us three and that reached, I think we said seven, was it seven, seven, we, like I did the math last year, like 7 billion views. So it's like that's 7 billion people that we never would have touched. Uh, you know, if we had just stayed out here in Western Oklahoma. So it's really cool to be like here in the middle of nowhere where I think the County population is like maybe 20,000 people in the entire County. And we get to really you know, reach an audience, show a way of life. And that's, what's really cool about it all. And I think makes social media a tool in itself, how we can help people, you know, see our way of life. Like we're all regular people too. We're just as funny as a dude from New York or a dude from LA. Uh, but you know, we just have a different way of how we live and that's all that's really different about a lot of us. So that's, what's been really cool about this whole broad reach we have with social media. I think one of the coolest things that you said is this started before the pandemic. So we're talking, 2019. 
uh, beginning of 2020. And it seems that if social media tells us that people are overnight successes, and it's easy for someone to say, oh, well, I just got into content creation full time, you know, last year, but they've really been producing content for years. I mean, this was probably for a long time, it felt as if, okay, we're producing content. It's a lot of work, right? We're filming out here when we could be doing work. And I'm sure if your uncle and dad are anything like mine, they're like, why do you have that phone out again? What are you guys doing? You know, where are you posting this? And then it's the snowball effect, right? It's like the consistency of posting, the trying some things. I'm sure you have some videos that just completely fell flat on their face and then some that did really well. But I think it's really honest and appreciative that you say like, we've been at this a while now. I mean, over four, probably over four years, you've been starting to think about this and you're seeing huge success, but it wasn't something where you just said, one day I'm going to start filming what happens on the ranch and we're going to do a few little skits and get some people involved. And, you know, the next day we're going to reach three, four million people. Like it's been a journey. Oh yeah. I mean, you could, if you could see the face, like like, I'm married in real life. So like my wife was like, like, what the heck is he doing a lot? And like my in-laws and like just people, and they're all very, very supportive, but they're like, what the heck? Cause back, back to that is like, I, for six years, I was pursuing acting and acting and, and film and television and auditioning all the time. And I got a few things, but nothing never really stuck. So like that was six year journey on that alone. And then you go on to the starting filming. And I remember like very first video I posted on YouTube, like January 6th, 2020. And then not until December, what was it, like December, I think it was December 3rd or December 4th, did we have our first true viral video of the farm stuff with Daryl's. We did have one viral video in there and somewhere, but like everyone kind of get like one offs here, like in between that. And I remember it was, we had done redone the the song Boats and Hoes from Step Brothers, me and uh, Jared, and we made it Tractors and Hoes, but about backhoes. And that was our first true viral video. I remember us freaking out like, oh man, oh my gosh. Like, and then now it's like, that's such a normality to us. But at the time, like I still, that feeling I'll never forget. Like when you know, they're like, man, we got a, we got 9,000 likes on this and in, in like two hours. This is awesome. And like, it's just really cool because yeah, it's a journey and people don't, they think, oh, and you do see the sometimes overnight successes of people who get a viral video, get a hundred thousand followers. And they kind of, that what I've noticed those kind of people fall off or they're, they go astray. And we've always kind of been like, what I've loved about our growth has always been like very steady, very, um, you know, it's just been on an incline like this. And we've had like, we're kind of, you know, we d- dip down and we try to mix it up and change there, but we've always had slow growth. We never just had like, Oh, here's a million followers out of nowhere type thing. And so that's, what's been cool about this journey is that, yeah, we worked our butts off, but it's kind of like in agriculture, no matter what you do, you got to put in that you got to, you got, you don't know what's going to happen. You just got to trust the process. So I luckily, I think my background gave me that that faith, that foresight. I do have, I'm very strong in my faith too. I feel like I was doing what God like wanted me, made me to do. And so I think just having all that really gave us this opportunity we have today to really highlight on a more exponential scale than we were in uh, January, 2020. I'm sure there's some people listening who are fearful to start filming because it does feel like there are so many content creators out there you know, there's so many people telling a story and like you'll say, there's no story like your own. I mean, you have to share what is happening on your operation and what's valuable to you. But talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that have come to you guys because you've started sharing. Like, 
show us a little bit about the potential. If someone is feeling, you know, like God's talking to them or they have this pull in their heart that they should start filming and telling their story a little bit more, what are some opportunities? What is some of the potential that they can reach? Yeah, I mean, to, there's that's a really loaded question too because there's a lot that can happen within the opportunities you can get in social media. You know, for us, the exposure creates opportunity to make money. So we, you know, have our own merchandise line that it's literally my family's brand. That's I said, if I'm ever going to do merchandise, which I like to say it's a more of a apparel, like it's going to have our brand on it and it's going to stand for what we stand for, lots of our stuff. So that's we we, have, we sell merchandise that has that. We have brand partnerships uh, through various companies we've had over the last three years from the opportunity to, with all these eyeballs. But to me, ultimately, the like coolest things we've gotten done is when we go out, like we've we work with the FFA a lot to go out and we have meet and greets at these, at the state conventions. And then just know, seeing the true impact when you meet the young FFA members or like what our videos have meant to them, how much entertainment we've brought them over the years. And then, you know, just sharing agriculture in a positive light through social media, which is a very hard task to do, especially in the way we do it. Cause it's called coming from an entertainment aspect. It's really cool to see that. And then on top of that, the, most probably most fulfilling thing we do is the thing that gets us the least amount of success on views. And that's our Sunday night Bible studies that Jared started back in 2020. He started doing those on his own. And I saw an opportunity like, Hey, we can make these nice, cleaner, crisper, but why don't we shoot them with our good camera? We'll come in. We'll really concise, spread a word. Don't preach anybody, just spread share the word and uh, see what happens. We've had probably the most nicest messages we ever get about that content how we have affected people's lives the most is just sharing our faith, sharing our true selves that way. And now it's evolved into like a sit down conversation every Sunday and we have like a longer form of it. And to me, that's the cool opportunities you get. It's like we started off making videos about how to make farm stuff relatably funny and kind of make fun of how city people don't get it to now like we're, we're sharing God's word. Um, we're going out, we're, we're affecting people's lives in a good way it's all in the, the name of agriculture, but also in the name of just like what we stand for God, family country. And so that's, what's to me, uh, the opportunities you can get here on social media are endless. You just can't be afraid to post. That's my biggest, you said it a while ago. Consistency is key is what I always tell people and content is king. So just don't be afraid to make content and, and pump it out there and just hit record. That's, it's that simple. Don't be afraid. If you hit record, you'll get better and better. It's you figure it out and uh, it it can be daunting. There are so many people out there trying to do it. And, you know, if if everyone could do it, we'd all have a million followers, too. So it's just that's how I kind of try to tell people like, hey, you believe in what you're doing. Just don't give up. Keep grinding at it. And, you know, one day, so one day something good will come of it. And fortunately for us, it it came over a three year span, but it's it's here now and we're very blessed. Are you trying to find the right planner to start the new year with? Look no further. We've created the Cab on the New Planner for ranch wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking for the perfect place to capture all of their thoughts throughout the year. Our planner is the perfect guide to help you get your operation started. In the Cab on the New Planner Paving Your Path, you will create the foundation for your operation, set goals, and learn how to implement them. We've included our customer favorite blank calendar pages so you can start when you're ready. Grab yours today at calumnyalive.com backslash planner. I 
think that people, when they start to share online, they feel as if they need to only share the good stuff and they need to be like a perfect version of themselves. But it's interesting when I'm watching content creators, I almost like it better if they show the non-perfect stuff. I have a really hard time relating to perfection. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the more raw they get, the more I feel connected. And I think that's probably the biggest disconnect, right? Is like the unperfect things, the things that you guys can make humor out of. That's really where people can like put themselves in your shoes and say, ah, I get that. Like I understand. I've been there too. And to me, that is the hardest part about creating content is being willing to show the pieces that you wish no one saw. But that is also what makes the people feel the most connected in this world of social media. Oh, yeah. That's the, at the end of the day, it comes down to relatability. And unfortunately, the things we don't see, we see the least or what are probably the most relatable. So like you said, showing the imperfection of, of life is actually the most relatable thing because it's the thing we see the less on social media. And I think that's created a huge part of our success is when we can find those moments in farming or ranching or or just any day, at, like in your daily life task. And we kind of highlight it in a humorous way and like, like, hey, it's okay. We all go through it. That's where we've had a lot of success. And then, you know, when you touch on the more sensitive stuff, like we get into um, about like things going on in the world, but also, uh, you know, mental health, things of that nature. When you touch it, you do see like people get, oh, wow, like you're talking about that. So it's okay to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're, we're like, we're bringing it up because we all go through it. So, you know, if, 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 you, if you're sitting back here and acting like it ain't a real thing, then, like it, life ain't perfect, you know. Life is a roller coaster, and you just gotta be hold, willing to hold on for the ride and get through all the the ups and downs of it all. And that's the hardest part about social media is this facade that so many people put on. And it's such an like we're humans, we're imperfect. This way of life is extremely imperfect. It doesn't make sense, and people think we're crazy that we do it. And um, but it, it's the people like us who really show that, you know, that this life's worth living and no matter what you're doing. But when farmers go out there every day, ranchers go out there every day doing something that, you know, 90% of the country don't want to do, less than, uh, even more so than that, less like 97% of the country don't want to do, I think it gives people inspiration. And that's ultimately, well, if we can do some good with that, what we're doing, then we're doing our job, I think. One of the coolest parts about agriculture is multi-generation operations. Mm. And it's a challenge right, to be in a multi-generation operation. It's the best thing and I think one of the hardest things because it's family. And so it's not as easy to say, well, you're fired, pack up your stuff and head, you know, head to the next job. And you have, I mean, you're third generation, right? So you have, no, you're probably more, but three generations actively on the operation. Yeah, three generations actively, fifth generation technically. And we have a sixth one on the ground now. So we have six generations here. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it. it's like I said, it's one of the coolest things. I'm third generation, but it is one also one of the hardest things. And I can only imagine, I've never met your dad, but I can only imagine when you first brought this idea to the table and you said, this is going to be my creative aspect here. And so talk a little bit about how, you know, all three generations work together and how you guys kind of have found your roles while supporting the other people in their roles. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it came down. My dad was one of my biggest supporters when it came to like going pursuing film and television. He was like, Hey, this will be here. Go do it. And I think as a part of him, 
he always wanted to be a rancher before before he came and took I like, took over my my grandpa's operation he was working as a co-op manager for 30 years and i think because he finally realized it took him till his 50s to start you know doing his dream he, he didn't want me to do that so it's been cool to see you know I, you guys get to see that oh excuse me i'm gonna drink water i'm <clears throat> choking the cop when you do coffee and watch see here's the real you don't get some real stuff when you do coffee it makes you gurgly so you gotta get some water in there. i got my coffee <laughs> and <laughs> my water <laughs> See, yeah, that's why sometimes you guys are people are like grandma, granny stubbers is like, cause all the woman drinks is coffee. So yeah. he doesn't know what water is. And so speaking of like having three generations, she's here now and she's all, she lives on the, on the, the farm. So like, she's always here, but she's a huge part of my aspect of what we do. And then my dad is the one, uh, him and my uncle are still overseeing the operation and running it while we're able to do things like this, um, create content, go out, you know, if we have to go on a trip or go to a meet and greet, like they're the ones staying back and working it. So that relationship showed like, Hey, you know, you guys are kind of the, the operators and we're always the, in a way of like marketers of what we're doing. And then I saw that opportunity for like what we're going to be doing here in the fall to bring our beef to people. It's like, Hey, we're already kind of doing this. We've, we've been promoting brands and products for years. Why the heck are we not promoting our own stuff? And I, it's been a big dream of mine to like, let's get our stuff out there to, to people. And they, and I know they've been wanting to do it too, but it's, it's really hard when you, when it's like the model has always been this. And so how can we kind of, you know, shift the model, but we have the, we have the eyeballs to help get that exposure out there on a level that most people can't. Um, and I said, you know what, at the end of the day, we, we all got together, like, we'd be kind of foolish not to attempt this. And if it has a good success, maybe we can help other people get there too. So I think being able to work together as a family and that generational gap with the gaps and aspects there, uh, it creates a dynamic of trust and it creates a, a world of, you know, we're, we got, we're all going to go through this anyway, and we're trying to build something that's going to be here long after we're gone. So there's a little bit more, uh, umph and more gusto to people's uh, want to do something. I think that's where we're at today with our with your generational question. <laughs> My grandma is a huge part of our operation. She lives in another state, but she's always played a massive role in our current operation. And I feel like your grandma and my grandma would be great friends. My grandma is in her mid to late 80s. I won't give her exact age on the podcast, uh, <laughs> but she flies a Cessna. She started flying an airplane in the 80s. She said she wanted a little bit more freedom. It might have even been in the 70s. So she got her pilot's license and she flies. And one of my favorite stories of her is she was complaining. She was going somewhere on a trip with me and she was complaining that she couldn't bring her handgun on a regular airplane. She's like, man, I just wish they would let me check my handgun. And I was like, well, it's probably fine. <laughs> like, we probably don't need the handgun. And she said, you know, I carry handgun on the airplane, right? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I kind of figured. And she said, yeah, because if I crash, I probably need to eat something for dinner. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly <laughs> right. She's thinking ahead. She's planning. She's anticipating. If, uh, you know, worst comes to worst, at least I'm prepared for that situation. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's I, I love that generation. That yeah. generation is awesome for that. I thought to myself, in your 80s, um, if you crash this little Cessna, I think you're meeting Jesus. I don't know that you're going to kill and skin a deer and make a campfire. (laughs) So I'm sure... Her and Granny would get along just fine. Yeah, I'm sure they would be great friends. Okay, so you mentioned your family's beef. So talk a little bit about your guys' plans for that. I know it's launching soon and kind of how you developed. You said you had been thinking about this for a while, but... 
how did it work and, you know, all of that to be able to bring this to reality? Yeah. Um, you know, back in, this is kind of funny, back in 2020, I remember listening to a podcast and a guy who was talking about social media. And this is when I was starting to get around like 100,000 followers on TikTok. He said, all these TikTokers and influencers and all this, y'all are so dumb because y'all are uh, expecting other people to pay you to promote their stuff. And there's a reason why they're exploiting you to do that. And I'm like, huh, I like that's actually really smart to think about. Like people are paying you good money to promote their products. And he's, he was telling people, like, if you're an influencer, if I was an influencer, I'd find a product that I believe in, that I trust, put my name on it, and I'd promote my own product. So in my brain, I kind of always kept that in the back of my head. I was like, you know, that'd be something we'd I would, would love to do one day if we could ever make this work. Um, and then our family's beef was always in my head. But then I you know, I brought it up in like 2021 to my dad. And they're like, ah, kind of like cold soul, like, ah, no. And then about the fall of last year, they finally said, you know what? I think we should like try that. And I'm like, they're like, gave me the green light. They said, you figure it out. We'll roll with it. So uh, since about November of last year, I've been in the process of like, okay, how do you do a direct to consumer business? You know, and, uh, and, and basically go from point A to point B. Uh, learning the process, figuring out, getting everything lined up, getting our herd ready to um, now us preparing to get our herd up to, to where the, if we do have the demand where we can at least reach the demand to an extent. So um, getting the next couple of years planned out with them has been really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, Diddy Your Ranch is what, what the beef's going to be called. The, like the, the meat company, I guess is what it is now uh, alongside of our cattle operation is uh diddy ranch and uh, we get to bring our beef directly to our followers the consumer and you know who you're getting it from that's what i think the coolest part about all this for us is like people trust us and know us and love us from the bivens farm aspect of everything but now we can kind of pull back the hats a little bit even more so besides not just our sunday night conversations and say hey this is what a cattle operation looks like um and you guys can see literally uh, you know, the time from the time the calf drops to the time it hits your plate, the process of what that meat and how it's going to turn into. And, uh, and I think that's really cool because now more than ever, I, I believe the marketplace set up as at a spot where people want to buy directly from the producer. They, you know, the trust is, I think what's happening in a lot of aspects of our, of our world is the trust from the consumer to the supplier isn't there. So why don't we go to the people who are doing like who are making it? And then I think that's a great, great way to really bring up health aspects of meat, get showing people the good quality beef versus, you know, the reason, the reason maybe that's so cheap at Walmart is because it's not a high quality beef for you. And if it's not a high quality, you know, what, what, what could be the health implications of that? So I think that's, what's really cool. Like there's so many different ways to go with it, but at the end of the day, I get to help my family take our business uh, to a new model that I think will be more sustainable for the future. Um, and not be so reliant on what the market's doing, because ultimately we're at the mercy of the meat companies. And uh, I'm a guy I've learned. I don't like being at the mercy of other people. So I, you know, if I can take something a little bit more in control of ourselves, uh, I, I'm going to take that opportunity. So I think it's here for the opportunity, opportunity to get this out to people is now. And I'm really excited because I love our beef. It's one of my favorite, like when we have people like my in-laws come from California or, or people come from, they come and visit us. We give them some of our beef. They're like, this is really good. Why don't y'all give this out to people? We're like, well, it's just always been ours and we just sell it. So I think it's really cool that I get to do this with family, continue the legacy. And then who knows what it can do for my kids and my kids' kids in the future with everything we got going on. 
As a busy rancher, you're working every day to ensure the health of your herd. Here at Strayhorn, we know that caring for your animals often requires you to engineer solutions on your own, which can be frustrating as well as time-consuming. That's why we have an extensive lineup of products to provide purpose-built solutions to the problems you face, such as vaccine safety with our Cattleback Box vaccine coolers. And let's not forget our fully customizable ear tags. We are dedicated to making sure we're always in stock so you can stay in control of your herd. No more waiting on long lead times. Strayhorn is more than just products. We're a community dedicated to your efficiency because your success is our success. So join the Strayhorn herd today. Visit our website at strayhorn.com or give us a call at 877-822-2699. I think it's awesome to start something new, especially because, you know, I think Farm to Table is really interesting because there is not, we cannot do enough Farm to Table to satisfy all of the beef demand, right? So every single person could sell Farm to Table and there would still be more of a demand for beef than what we can sell. But Mm -hmm. the unique position that I really think you have is you reach people who maybe don't eat red meat on a regular basis. And they're following you along because of the entertainment piece. And they've already learned to know, like, and trust you. And so the fact that then you're going to offer this product, and it's a win to me when someone eats meat, right? I don't care if it came from Walmart. I don't care if it came from Costco. I don't care if it came from my family, your family. Like, if they cook a steak for dinner tonight, that is a win for the entire industry. And I think in order to get people to know, like, and trust and know who to ask the questions to and about the environmental impacts and all of these things, it's going to take all these unique angles. And by you guys being able to offer your meat, I can just see this whole audience who is, you know, maybe he's not eating meat on a regular basis. Maybe it's only a holiday meal for them. And you're going to really provide this opportunity that they can start to incorporate in their diet from a family operation that they really trust. Yeah. And I think you touched on a great point there is just like, yeah, a win's a win for the beef industry. And if anybody can take some W's right now, the beef industry could definitely use it. And uh, we'll take whatever we can get there. And again, my approach has always been never do everything the same as other people. And I, and us to give this opportunity to then create content to really show people, Hey, and then maybe get more people to eating beef on a more frequent basis. And a big thing I've been on lately, I've made some friends through social media who are like, they educate people on the benefits of uh, a meat diet, like, like carnivore diets and things like that. And it's really cool that now we can maybe even do cross collabs and educate people through, through them. And then we may touch a, a whole audience like, oh my gosh, this is the people who make it. And I, I'm really excited about all that because at the end of the day, we're helping everybody. We're helping the beef industry. We're helping overall people's health. And I think that's where there, there's a huge correlation there that's had a lot of negative, negative, you know, connotations over the years they try to tell people red meat's bad for you creates heart disease okay where did you hear that and who did the study okay now look at the latest studies what does it show uh you know and so that's where i'm really really interested without poking the bear but you got to poke it a little bit to get people to like whoa what's he talking about and we've learned that through what we do and i'm really excited about these opportunities because yeah we probably will have you know pushback from certain people but it is who we, it's, it's, it's our way of life. It's who we are. And we're not going to come at you for not you know, doing it. We understand people have dietary restrictions. People can, literally can't eat red meat because of certain, certain things in their lives. 
but it doesn't mean you can't support it and can't tell other people about it. And so that's where I'm really excited about getting that message out is that, you know, the beef is, is it really good for you if you, if you treat it right too, and if you consume it the right way. And I think there's just a huge educational aspect of it that is going to be a, not a burden to tackle, but something that's going to be really fun for me and for what we do on a consistent basis. And, and make it funny. And I love making things funny because we all can use a laugh too. And there ain't nothing better. I, this is like something we've always preached in our family is like, you have a belly full of beef and a good chuckle to go with it. Like that's the ultimate recipe for just like, just having a great day. Yeah. And so I, I'm excited about the, just the opportunities that all this is going to create. And again, getting to do with the family, like we're, we're keeping a family tradition going and there ain't nothing better. I mean, that's been fun making videos with family, but now we get to do all of it together. And that is ultimately the best gift that God could have blessed me with is like, Hey, I get to do this with people I love and, you know, in a way of life that we love in a country we love and no, no one can tell us we can't do it. So that's, what's really cool. That is really exciting. Okay, let's go into a rapid fire questions to wrap uh, up the interview. I, I love rapid fire questions. <laughs> uh, favorite cut of steak and how do you like it? Okay, this, people are going to probably be thrown, thrown by this one for me. But my favorite kind of steak is a round steak, fried. So we call them, you know, we just call it round steak, mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, my mom has made it forever. It's battered with like it's better with flour. It's horrible for your health, really horrible. But if, if I had a final meal, someone said, what's your final meal? I said, round steak, mashed potatoes and gravy. And it's got to be the gravy made from the grease left over in the pan from the fried steak. That's my favorite, but nothing will beat a good medium, uh, a medium rare ribeye usually either. But, uh, I round steak, I, I could eat that maybe three, four times a year, but it is my favorite meal. That's it. Day. Okay. Sounds great. I might have to try it. What is an ag industry topic that you think needs talked about more? Ooh, ag industry topic. You know, something that this this might, this might is something that not touched on enough, but you know, we, it's funny. It's very, the community is very divisive in a way amongst each other. And it's very gatekeepy in a way. And it's like, we're all on the same, like we're all on the same team. Why do we all got to like fight each other? Like the Cowboys hate the, like uh, the, you know, the country boys, the country boys hate the fisher boys. Like it's like the outdoor boys hate this. It's like, guys, we're all on the same team. We all have agriculture in our background. We're all trying to fight for this way of life. Like, let's not, let's not hate on each other and let's like come together because I think if we can come together in our own little community, it can also be a, a light for other people. Uh, so that, that's kind of one thing that doesn't get touched or talked about a lot is like just the gatekeepiness of everything going on, but you do got to protect this way of life. You can't just let intruders in because look what happens. It can make devalue it too. So it's just, I think the part our grandparents grew up was like, you will always welcome the stranger in, got to know him, sit down, have a conversation. I think it's just a reflection of our society right now. Like we don't even want to get to know each other. We already just want to judge each other. So why don't we just all kind of come together, break some bread, have a cup of coffee and see where we're all really coming from at this. And who knows? And that's a whole different topic that no one ever really wants to talk about. But uh, It's I'm interesting not. that you say that because I own a farm to table retail store called The Rancher's Daughter in Kalispell, Montana. Uh -huh. I'm co-owner and we are actually hosting an in-person event in October for the farm to table side. So like how to look at the beef, ultrasound it, how to cut it, what cuts sell, what cuts don't sell. And we're talking about shipping. We're going to teach people how to ship oh, wow. and the prices on shipping and how to box and what works and what doesn't and all this stuff. And 
that's the question we've gotten the most is people are like, are you actually going to teach us how to ship? I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes. And they're like, all of these people in the industry are just like, yeah, you just put some dry ice and you send it down the road. And they're like, no one is talking about how to get the discounted shipping rates. And I was like, what a disservice. Because if someone buys a steak from you, they are then more likely to buy a steak from me. (laughs) It's not something where it's like, if, if they buy it from you, they'll never look my way. No, if you're out of it or if you, you know, sell out or something, if they're accustomed to buying it farm to table, they're going to look at another farm to table operation. And so I agree. It's one of the most frustrating things. And I was like, no, we made so many mistakes when we first started and opened the store. Like, I want to tell you about that so you don't have to make the mistakes because I'm not sure every operation could have survived the mistakes we made. So if I can help you not make those mistakes. And so I just love that you said that because I do think it is a problem. It's so funny you said that. I was on the phone yesterday with Nikki Callison from Callison Ranch. She's down in Southeast Oklahoma. Love Nikki. Shout out Nikki. And we had that exact same call. I was asking her about shipping stuff. And I said, I hate being that guy like because I know everyone doesn't want it. She's like, I know people just like, like, but everyone comes to ask you, like, ask you how to ship. And then you're like, kind of like, well, I got a good thing. It, it just was a really good conversation about like, it's like, you know, we, we're all here trying to help each other out too. And she's been very helpful to me and what everything we're doing. But I would love to even hear, I, we got to talk sometime outside the podcast. I would love to hear everything y'all been through because I'm still like, we're still in the final process of getting things lined up. But I would love to hear because the dry ice thing is way hard. Like, it's like, you got to find somebody to get your dry ice around here. Well, I'm in Western Oklahoma. There are not many places to find dry ice, you know? So I would love just to pick your brain after, you know, the podcast sometime and ask you like, you know, what, what, what's some do's and don'ts you'd say to do Gatlin. And so did your ranch doesn't fall on its face in the first six months. <laughs> yeah. We'd be happy to help you. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh man. Best piece of advice I've ever been given. Shoot. That's man. Uh, you know, gr- granny tells me it a lot and I have to kind of take it to heart no matter what you're doing. Cause like life in general can get tough whenever. And I'm like, I always ask her cause she's 82. She's thriving. She's a happy lady. Doesn't fret about much. I was like, Hey, what's like the key? What's the key to why, how you are, how you are. And she goes, you know, people, people think I'm crazy when I say it, but she said, just be happy. And, I, and I'm like, when she says it, there's so much more depth to what she's meaning by it. But she said, just be happy. And I go, just be happy. She goes, yeah, wake up every day. Just be happy and be happy that you're breathing. And that's all that, that's how you need to start your day. And the rest of your day will like be a success. I'm like, that is a great outlook on life. I've had many other, you know, great things about always be blissfully dissatisfied, you know, being, being happy, but never being, you know, content where you're at. And, but, but that to me, when I think about what's the best wisdom you can have to give somebody later on in life, it's like, just start your day being happy. And they can't, you really can't go wrong from there. Yeah. It's almost like instead of being annoyed that your alarm went off, be thankful that you took a breath. It's like (laughs) just that spin on what what we do and how we think. Okay. This one's a fun question. So not not what you're doing right now, but what is your dream non-career job? Dream non-career job. Now when we mean job like that, like a non-career job, like non-career that I'm current like in or just like a, just something we could do if like not make money at it. Yeah. Like if you didn't have to make money, what is something like that? You just occasionally like you get this little twinge in your heart where you're like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to try that. 
Okay, archaeology. This is a really, I love, love history. And since I was a kid, I've always loved Indiana Jones. I love like digging up things. And I had my own little, uh, had my own little rate, like metal detector. And I dig up stuff. I found a bunch of artifacts out here in Western Oklahoma growing up. And uh, that's always been a huge part of it. Like I love finding and discovering things. So if any, if money wasn't a thing, I would probably even, I almost considered going to the archaeology school at University of Oklahoma, but I'm like, there's no money in that life. And I do not, I hate science. So you had to learn a lot of science. So I was like, no, but archaeology would probably be it. Okay. That's a great answer. Well, I've really appreciated chatting today. I think you bring a lot to the table. I think you're also a good reminder that creativity looks different for every family. And one of the things that we firmly believe in Kettleman U is to ensure the next generation of farmers and ranchers we have to do things differently than our grandparents. And I think you're doing that in a really peaceful dance in your guys's operation about staying traditional, but trying new things and obviously involving that grandparent generation in some of it. And we just know that in order to have another generation, we have to do things a little different. So I appreciate you sticking your neck out there, trying those videos for the first time. I'm sure I can probably, you know, your in-laws or your cousins or your friends were probably watching and saying, did you see what he posted today when he first got started? And so I appreciate you following through and, and just showing up for the industry. It's really important that you guys show honestly what's happening. I think that's really important. And, um, and you just show up day after day. So thanks for that. Thank you, Caroline. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing here on the podcast and everything you're doing outside of it. Uh, we need more of it. We just need more ad- people call it advocates or whatever, but just need more people who are willing to to you know stick their neck out, like you said, and and just be a light in this world. So I, we appreciate you and thank you for having us on today. It was a, it was an honor and uh, appreciate all the kind words too. Of course, thank you. We'll put all of your social media handles and everything in the show notes so people can follow along. Awesome. Thank you, Caroline. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.